Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, thank you for downloading the Times Redbox podcast. I am Luke Jones, not Matt Chorley. Matt is off all this week on an Easter break. Well, I say Easter break is in the Cayman Islands with um, his family and Mrs Sunak. He's trying to uh, write off his tour losses against tax. Um, He'll tell you about it next week. Anyway, on the podcast today, we are going to be hearing about the French presidential election. So we've had round one, round two is looming. And although Emmanuel Macron came out on top... 30% of French voters voted for the far right. We'll find out what earth that means for um, the actual decider in a fortnight shortly. But first, let's hear from our columnists, Libby Purvis and Carol Lewis. Either of you got a good snitching story, either you snitching on somebody or being snitched on. Libby, you must have. Oh, not not since school and we do not speak of it. Um, (laughs) Nuns can be very unforgiving. You snitched on a nun. No, no, I, I, I may have been snitched on by a nun. I see. <laughs> um, I, and I, this is very intrusive. This is very intrusive. I shall take you to court. Okay. All right. Well, we won't press any further. Um, Carol, anything that we can broadcast? No, I don't think so. No, I'm going to deny everything. Um, all right. Um, well, let's first of all get to. Um, well, the thing which is on the front of most of the papers this morning, the uh, round one of the election in France. Um, Carol, it seems, again, interestingly, just not just Emmanuel Macron about how he's been able to um, maintain some level of support after all these various cost of living woes have continued to bite, but actually the far right has done incredibly well in in this first round. Marine Le Pen, of course, on, on, on um, 23% at one point, but it's 30% when you add together all the far right. I know, it's worrying, isn't it? It's it's incredibly worrying, uh, particularly given what's going on in Ukraine and the far-right accusations there. I think Macron has uh, lost um, support. um, And that's... I'm not sure how much this is. People are voting for the far right because they want to vote for the far right or they're voting for the far right because they see them as the only viable alternative to Macron. Yes. Um, and also, it is, I guess, a question of, of them being particularly peeved about the options that they have on show. The two main parties, the Socialists and, and the Republicans, absolutely nowhere to be seen. In fact, losing their deposit, it seems, and, and their ability to claim expenses for this first round um, so badly have they done. So it is actually just a real furious shake-up in the politics there as well. Yes, yes, definitely. And, and it, 
I mean, that's that's the problem, isn't it, with with the, with the shake up that it, that it throws out unfortunate results sometimes. Um, I mean, there could be a lot of people who have voted um, for the far right who are trying to shake things up and don't actually want them to get in. And we've seen that ourselves here. People voting for things they don't necessarily think yeah. are going to get in, but think will shake the system up. Um, Libby, what do you think of, of, of what we're hearing out of France? Round one, and although Emmanuel Macron ahead, the far right as a group are on 30%. Marine Le Pen, of course, just, just um, shy of that. I think I mean I I think Macron will probably win again uh but I think I think the he, he'll be very shaken up and everybody will be very shaken up by how close Le Pen is apparently getting uh Le Pen is trying to soften the act I believe very much but uh, uh I, w- I would see it as probably Macron coming through I hope I hope so anyway though I'm no great fan of his uh you know the least least worst option Why do you say that uh, because because Le Pen's views are so sharply right and because I think uh, it, she, she she would encourage an entire an entire sort of tranche of France to feel energized towards the right by the extreme right by this and this is the last thing we need at the moment uh, as I say Macron you know he he's he's in no way perfect um, but uh, I, I think he's the better bet of the two. And, of course, Carol, it's not not just relevant for what's happening for people in France, but also if you think about the situation with the war in Ukraine and how much um, the sanctions imposed on Russia depends on some kind of European unity, um, President Le Pen could change things quite dramatically if she were in office soon. Yes, absolutely. Um, It could change everything. I... I, I mean, it just doesn't bear thinking about, it, does it? But, but I'm with Libby. I, I can see why people wanted an alternative to Macron, and I think the problem is there wasn't an alter, a viable alternative. And, mm. and people, as much as they sympathise with this, the situation in Ukraine, will be thinking about their own lives when they vote for their own president, um, and that will be forefront of their minds. Yeah, and, and do you think, Libby, we're going to see? We're seeing a sort of precursor about what might happen here in the UK, because, of course, in France, everyone was expecting the, the, the election to be about the pandemic, I guess, as we were expecting elections to be soon here. But there it is just dominated by by the cost of living. And, and, and we've got local elections coming up in May, um, elections in various parts of the UK. Do you think actually there'll be something similar of, of an angry shake up as a result of what's happening here as well? No, I think thing? we'll swing. I think we'll swing quite the other way. I think we're going to swing in a leftward direction. Uh, I think that's what uh, this cost of living crisis will do. Uh, it will create a lot of anger about unfairness in society and the massive wealth gap in society and the erosion over the last 20 years of a lot of common things which make life better for people, you know, parks and libraries and and uh, good schools. Um, I, think, I think if we swing, it, it won't be towards the right, it'll be towards the left. Can I ask you both about the Chancellor's home life? Um, and by way of introduction, I'm going to read a letter that's in the Times this morning from uh, Vernon Bogdanor, who's a professor of government at King's College London, and no stranger to these airwaves on Times Radio. He says, um, perhaps the best comment on the unattractive campaign against Akshata Murti was made more than 120 years ago by Arthur Balfour when Joseph Chamberlain was arraigned because companies run by members of his family had flourished on government contracts. Those eligible for government, said Balfour, would be nobody who has any relations or any money to invest and nobody who inspires sufficient confidence to be made a trustee adding quote 
wanted a man to serve Her Majesty with no money, no relations, and inspiring no general confidence. Um, <laughs> Carol, is that fair? <laughs> no, I don't think that's fair. I think as we 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 discussed before, I I, I don't think politics should be closed to the rich. Uh, and of course, they can have families. Uh, in fact, it's better if they do have families. Um, I think this is, this is a difficult situation, and it has not looked good for Sunak. I mean, he he did all the things he was supposed to do at the beginning. He declared everything hmm. up front. It does appear that he didn't get very sound advice. I mean, why nobody thought to say to him when he took the job of Chancellor, "Hey, look, this might not look good." You know, you putting up taxes when your own household aren't paying the same taxes as everyone else. I think he should have got some some better advice on that. It definitely, uh, he appears to have been let down on that front. He, also, um, I think general perception is that the Sunak household don't come across as very committed to being in Britain. The Chancellor backed Brexit while he had a green card. That looks dubious. Whether it is or not, it does look dubious. And his wife has persuaded people that he's, she's only here temporarily. It doesn't look good. I'd like to think the people who are setting the policies I'm going to have to live by in the future mm. are going to be here alongside me in the future. So that's interesting. Uh, Libby, do you agree then? So, so it's not necessarily that, that voters will be troubled by this individual declaration and how he's accounted for this, but more to Carol's point that uh, Rishi Sunak is appearing increasingly to all of us to be one of those what Theresa May would call sort of citizen of nowhere. I I think I mean I no I don't agree actually I I tend to be on team Sunak because I think he's one of the most intelligent, hardest working, most professional of the cabinet. I think he he was handed a hideous job as chancellor very suddenly and very shortly before the pandemic hit if you remember. You know, the almost the first things he had to do were to hurl himself at the at the furloughs and and you know how, how the heck to you know how, how much money to put into vaccinations and so on. Uh, I I think he's done a pretty good job. I think the problem is the richness. It is just the richness and that is not really his fault you know his wife is the daughter of a very rich man obviously the very rich man may have sort of rather hoped his daughter would remain uh, you know an Indian citizen and, and, and a non-dom and so on we don't know what the family mm. situation is but I just think that this terrible thing of he's so rich and therefore we hate him is is it's absurd. It's all over social media. You know, oh, these people, you know, these people, they don't understand. They don't understand money. You know, they're not like us. Uh, well, I don't want politicians to be like us. You know, I want some, all sorts of different backgrounds. And I, I think the, you know, the Balfour letter is a, is a very sensible one. Um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm just tired of this business of just everybody resenting billionaires. I, I don't resent billionaires if they're doing good things. I resent them very much if they do bad things. Is there also an element of political naivety here, though, Carol? If you maybe if you just t take what Libby said there, but on top of this, on how Rishi Sunak has handled this, namely, first of all, maybe disclosing too much about his wife's tax situation to civil servants when he became a minister, which is, is thought to be how this then was known amongst a certain number of people and was able to be leaked now. Um, a sort of a, a cannier politician might have actually handled this better. Oh, that's damned if you do, damned if you don't, isn't it? <laughs> I think he did. I think he did the right thing, disclosing everything up front. I think he absolutely was trying to do the right thing. I think if he'd kept it quiet and it'd come out, it would look even worse for him. Uh, I don't think he looks bad on that score. I think he does look like he tried to do the right thing. I just think it's 
it's going to play out badly with the electorate. I really mm. do. And, and do you think maybe we're, we're approaching a point, Libby, as was suggested in one of the papers this morning, where we actually go a bit American like this, well, minus Donald, Donald Trump, and have our senior politicians just publish their tax returns, just get it out, all out on the table? Let's have a look. I want everyone's tax return published, as in the Scandinavian countries. I want yours on the table. I want mine on the table. I want everybody's on the table. I think, and also I love the Norwegian thing, where I believe that you have to find out who asked for it. You know, mm. in other words, any, anyone can look at your tax return, but you know who they were. You're talking of snitching this morning. That's the thing. No, I, yeah. I think massive financial, financial openness in every direction is a healthy thing. And then people can maybe sort of stop hating people who they mm. suspect of having too much money um, and, and, you know, hate them on some kind of more reasonable principle. Well, Carol, I can imagine you'd definitely be behind that with your um, property section um, hat on, wanting, I guess, to, to find out a bit more about some of these large houses you occasionally write about. Oh, gosh, yes, that would be great. It really Full would. Disclosure, I mean, please. The <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, the Economic Crime Bill is going to try and do that. But I think at the end of the day, when you've got a lot of shell companies and offshore investments, there are plenty of ways around it. And policing it is, is going to be mm. a huge problem. Um, a couple more things from both of you. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, Libby, I thought you would have an interesting view on this. Uh, did you see out of the Olivier Awards last night, Liz Carr, who won um, Best Supporting Actress for her role in the, the Normal Heart at the National Theatre? Um, she's a wheelchair user and she said that actually venues should offer a COVID safe performance so quote theatre can remain accessible even to those of us who have health conditions you know so concerned is she about the fact that actually you go to the theatre at the moment nobody's got a mask on she said that makes it a a difficult prospect for her she hasn't been in the two years apart from being on stage herself is that something that, that, that you'd back or does that belong to a, to a different age I don't think it's really practical, and, and not just in terms of theatre finances, which obviously did suffer a lot under distancing. Uh, I, I wear a mask if anyone near me is in a mask uh, in a theatre, uh, or if it's very, very crowded. Um, I wear a mask you know, out of a, as a courtesy. But the point is that if you really were going to try and do a proper COVID-safe thing, you'd have to make people wear FP2 masks. That's the ones that mm. look like snouts and are too tight and are absolutely horrible to wear. You know, like these unfortunate health service people who have to do it all the time. They'd need FP2 masks and not those ridiculous little paper ones or silly little ones made of bits of cloth which don't do anything, you know, where the air gets out all around them. And you'd also have to have really solid distancing, which would mean having a third or less of your normal yeah. audience in. So I don't think it's actually practical to say, you know, immunocompromised performances. Uh, some theatres might manage it, uh, but I think it would, I, I don't think there'll be much of it at all. On the whole, I have to say, I have found, I've been in every theatre that opened at every single point in the pandemic that theatres opened, I was in them. And um, I never caught it at all until I went to a blasted cocktail party thing where people are standing up basically shouting in each other's faces in an ill-ventilated yeah. room. I think there are a lot of far more dangerous places than theatres and concert halls. I found everybody's pointing the same way, sitting in a well-ventilated room, because theatres have got really cold, as you know. They've mm. upped the ventilation. I found theatres remarkably safe uh, myself, and I found a lot of other places much less safe. Mm. So um, I, I don't I don't really think that one will fly.
But still, Carol, it's a worry, isn't no, it? She was good. Some... She was great in the normal heart, by the way. She was very good. Yeah, she was fantastic. <laughs> but but I guess the worry yeah. is, Carol, is that she was saying that she hasn't been to theatre in the past two years, apart from being in that play where everyone on stage around her was testing every day. She said she'd be too worried. So either these you know, um, um, immunocompromised performances, as Livy's called them. Also, she said, "Try and could we try and encourage some of these um, organisations to continue to do live streaming and online for people who really do feel unsafe at the thought of going in, you know, a big theatre packed full of people? I mean, to, to, to Livy's point, I, I agree. I agree totally. And one thing you don't do while you're sitting in the theatre is talk. And I thought that would be <laughs> yes. the, main, the, main, the main risk. <laughs> so, so that, but I would like to see them, regardless of, of the, the, the immunocompromised situation, I'd like to see them continue with live streaming if they can, they can do so, because I would like to, the theatre to be opened up to far more people. I think if you're outside London at the moment, you, you struggle a little to see some of the top performances, and it's great that they do live streaming. So if we can continue with that, that would be good. We have agreement there. Just finally, Libby, a word on your on your column in the paper this morning. Disruptive eco-protesters harm their cause. You take us through some of the many protests you've seen in your time, including the British Leyland cat-dropping walkout, which I, I have no idea what that is, so maybe I'll have to explain. You're too young. You, you, don't, you never lived the 70s. <laughs> well, go on. What, what's your point? Basically, these days, the especially point... the sort of eco-lot, they're, they're doing themselves down. It's, it was just sort of impatience because this is an important cause, emissions, climate change, pollution, wasteful manufacturing. But the ongoing self-indulgent recreational XR and Just Stop Oil protests, making petrol stations run dry and people drive around desperately to get to doctors in rural areas and choking up the cities and gluing themselves to roads, it alienates public opinion. If you alienate public opinion, you make your cause seem bullying and preachy and fanatic and borderline fascist. And in a democracy, that affects future votes. And the simple example I gave was that the 1970s was sort of non-stop protest for every description, um, mm. disrupting people three-day week and all the rest of it. Did it leave everybody saying, up the workers, hurrah for socialism? No, it didn't. It brought in Mrs. Thatcher in 1979. And we have basically had conservative or faux conservative governments ever since. So I do not think that the protesters are doing themselves any favours and I wish they'd stop, although I back their intentions. What was the cat dropping business? Well, it was the usual sort of thing. The, the, um, uh, there was a, a, some assembly line stopped entirely because a cat had got in and there was a piece of cat turd on the floor. And, but there was every excuse to walk out. I mean, there was another really shocking one where people suddenly said they wouldn't work near any black person because they were different and maybe they might smell different and it, well, they shouldn't be near them, they'd catch something. I mean, there was ridiculous strikes as well as absolutely necessary and mm. excellent strikes. But it went on and on. It became a kind of mania, you know, stick it to the man. Yeah. And it was really boring to live with for ordinary people. That was Carol Lewis from the Times Property Section and Libby Purvis, Times columnist extraordinaire. Next, we will think about the French presidential election and where it might head next. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about. 
work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And now it's time for this. You've no Chorley, but we'll always have Paris. The election is well underway in France, and after round one yesterday, we now know who'll be facing off in round two in a fortnight. Le Pen and Macron. Et voilà donc pour cette harangue d'Emmanuel Macron. Je compte sur vous. Rien n'est fait. Un discours qui a pris de l'ampleur. At this decisive moment for the future of the nation, nothing must be as it was before. I would like to take the hand of everyone who would like to work for France to join me. I'm ready to invent something new. The people français s'est exprimé et me fait l'honneur d'être qualifié au second tour face au président sortant. In the next five years, we'll look at migration, security, economy, social, energy, Europe, military, and diplomacy. And my commitment is without fail as far as the subject matter is concerned. I will ensure that France will be a power of peace and I will restore in all areas sovereignty of France. In other words, for the French people, the possibility to think for themselves and to defend their own interests. So there we have it, two of the victory speeches last night. This half hour, we're going to look at the result and what could happen next, and also, selfishly, what it might mean for not just us at home, but also for the Ukrainians fighting for their life as well. In a moment, we'll hear from an MP from Macron's En Marche party, and later we're going to speak to a former British ambassador to France to ask what this means for us. But first, let's speak to Charles Bremner, the Times' man in Paris, who, uh, of course, has been popping on with, up on this show every week since the start of the year uh, in the run-up to this first round. Welcome back, Charles. Thank you. So it's on course for a, a close second round, is that right? Yes, we've been expecting a second round like this for for most of the last five years, in fact. The, it was going to be very easy for Macron until about a month ago, and now it's tightened up. Macron is still ahead, but Marine Le Pen is snapping at his heels, and it is not impossible that for the first time a leader who was until now considered far right actually becomes president of France. Hmm. And just explain for us, first of all, the situation, uh, Macron's situation. He was saying there, we heard in his, in his victory speech, quote, I'm ready to invent something new. Is the problem that even after just five years, he's now seen as old and establishment? Yes, of course, he got in in 2017 as the new man promising a revolution from a man from outside politics, although he was from within the establishment. 
he is now trying to find a way of uh, creating a coalition behind him which will help him defeat Le Pen. For the moment, this means aiming to the left because the big big uh, reservoir of votes from yesterday are those that went to Jean-Luc Mélenchon, the far-left campaigner, who got nearly the same as Le Pen, 22%. Macron and Le Pen are appealing to these voters now, or at least they're appealing to them not to abstain for, in this mm. election. And in terms of Macron's pitch for those voters, um, is it all about the cost of living and, and what he might do in a particularly sort of left-wing appeasing way to help cure that ill? Well, Macron's first uh, challenge is to make himself more likable to the people who don't like him, which is uh, a majority of the French. They, the, the, the people who voted Le Pen and Mélenchon, one thing and big thing in common is their, their contempt for Macron. Mm. He has to show that he, he can... He can is, can he understands the people both Mélenchon and Le Pen and Zemmour say they represent the people against Macron who's the elite and where does that dislike of Macron come from is it entirely personal is it or is it down, or is it down to specific sort of policy decisions well this goes way back baby back to the French Revolution uh, in 1789 uh, that there France has never really relinquished the civil strife in which has had since then, in which there is a, a ruling elite which is opposed by the people in one form or the other. Sometimes the people are on the left, sometimes the right. Mm. It's, uh, but it has been multiplied by Macron's inability since two, 2017 to to soothe and uh, to heal these this split in society, which he promised always to do. And what of uh, Marine Le Pen's situation and how she's been able to somewhat soften her image? I think I read yesterday, and correct me if I'm wrong, that she has a diploma in cat grooming. Yes, she's making a lot of that. Shoes. This is the new friendly, milder Marine Le Pen. She's even lowered, the, lowered her voice. She speaks quietly and, and makes a big attempt to smile on all occasions. She has managed, for the moment, not to talk so much about her key um, elements of her pla platform, which are against immigrants and foreigners and against Muslims and, uh, and against the European Union. But this will all have to come out now. Macron will do his best to expose her as somebody who is potentially extremely dangerous for France. Hmm. And if, I just wondered, Charles, if you could address someone who's just texted into us to say, um, everyone is saying far right. What does that actually mean? Can you please define far right rather than just using these labels this person has said well, on texts? The, the label has been used since 1972 for the, fr the National Front, which was founded Marine Le, by Marine Le Pen's father. She uh, took over the party in 2011 and ran for the presidency. She adopted most of his... Uh, most of his basic formula manifesto, but softened a lot around the edges. And she she got rid of the old fascist uh, anti-Semitic side. And she has posed, herself, uh, posed as friend of the people. But sorry, on far right, it's she is still regarded as far right by the entire French political spectrum, except uh, her own. Um, mm. and, and by all French media and by all French political scientists. What is happening elsewhere in, in French politics with this? Because one of the other um, interesting facets of the results we had overnight from this first round is the absolute collapse of the two sort of formerly main, main parties, the Republicans and the Socialists. Yeah. Um, is, is this the final nail, at least for one of them? It's pretty awful. They, they've gone under 5% uh, for the, the two dominant parties of the last 60, 70 years. They're the, the Gaullist Party, which is now called the Republicans and the Socialists. They're they're in on life support or more than that they're at death's door on the national level but because they still control most big french town halls and most of the regions and counties of france 
And how will this next second round play out, Charles? Just briefly on what we're going to see over the next fortnight. Is is Macron, Macron going to be fully back on the campaign trailer and not bothering so much with Ukraine? And is are he and Marine going to be touring the country right round again and again and again? Yes, Macron is, is this time throwing himself into it. He made the mistake of staying out of the race for the first round. He cast himself as the statesman taking care of Ukraine after being the statesman taking care of the pandemic. He's realized, he's even admitted that he came in too late and people don't really know what he's offering apart from a rise in the retirement age to 65, which is unpopular. Mm. And what about Maureen? She is going to do her best to keep to keep the moderate image and to woo the left-wing voters, those are the Mélenchon voters, and to encourage people not to abstain. To, to In fact, it's become a referendum on Macron, the election, and both mm. of them are going to try to appeal to the the underdogs, those, the, the gilets jaunes and the yellow vest protesters of two years ago, the, 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 the lower income, and and, uh, and the young, because it's the young who voted Mélenchon mainly. Mm. Um, Charles, we'll just leave you with some chanting, which we heard um, Well, when we heard some of what happened last night. Let's just hear it again. And I want you to translate for us. This is Emmanuel Macron was coming onto the stage last night. Yeah. Now, my oh, French is dreadful. I can just hear them saying Canal Plus, it sounds like, but you're going to no, tell that, me it's that, not that. saying Saint Canal de Plus. Five more years. Five more years. Oh, I see. Well, there we go. Um, Charles, well, many, many more years for you and for covering this patch for us. I appreciate it. That's Charles Bremen of the Times of Man in Paris. Um, there's absolutely loads from Charles in the paper today if you want more of his uh, analysis and reporting of it. Um, well, let's turn now to actually um, one of Emmanuel Macron's own uh, MPs. Uh, this is Mireille uh, Clapot, who is an MP for Macron's En Marche party in Drum in southeast France. Um, Ray, welcome. Hello. Thanks very much for your time. First of all, your reaction to last night, your man on top. Well, of course, uh, I was satisfied and uh, <clears throat> uh, a very high sense of relief uh, because we are not sure at all uh, uh, that Emmanuel Macron uh, would have uh, this uh, 28% percent and be uh, uh, the first. And uh, uh, we, we knew that uh, certainly Marine Le Pen uh, would have uh, a high score, but fortunately she was uh, only a second. So... Hmm. Uh, we are satisfied and uh, optimistic for the second round. Um, Charles Bremner, our, our correspondent in, in Paris, was just explaining for us that, that part of the problem for Emmanuel Macron going forward is that a lot of French people don't like him. It's not necessarily about what he's doing. It's just about him. They don't like him. Do you recognise that problem? And is that something you think he is successfully working on? Mm. Well, the people uh, I meet on on markets, uh, in the street, etc. Um, usually, they are aware that uh, he's a, a very clever man, that he's uh, fully dedicated uh, to uh, to this um, mandate of uh, president. Uh, what they don't like with him is these uh, um, small sentences that he could have uh, saying that it's very easy to find a new job and that you only need to cross uh, the street. Um, when he, he, he said something about uh, the people that don't want to be uh, uh, vaccinated and he, he, he told them in French, uh, I, I want to emmerde them. Uh, and this they don't like. But mm. uh, most of them recognize that uh, he was the only one to be able um, to face the terrible war uh, and, and in uh, Ukraine and the pandemic. So 
uh, of course, he has some defaults. Uh, he's a, a human and not a, a robot. And uh, of course, some of them uh, don't like him, but I don't think it's a majority. Of course, the, the main issue you mentioned there, the pandemic and, of course, uh, the war raging in Ukraine at the moment. But a lot of people um, heading to the polls in France are worried about the cost of living. Inflation in France, uh, north of 5%. Energy costs are up 28%. They see Emmanuel Macron and say, you're not doing enough. The state, the government, uh, has been um, helping the French people, French population, uh, uh, for a long time because uh, during uh, the pandemic, uh, France was um, the most uh, helpful country for the restaurant, uh, for the, the small shops, for the small companies. And now it has uh, become uh, a habit, I would say. And uh, when um, the cost of, uh, of fuel uh, has um, has been uh, has exploded. Um, uh, there was a, a plan to help uh, people, and uh, uh, now there is a reduction uh, on the, the liter at the pump. Uh, there is a minus um, uh, fifteen or minus uh, eighteen cents on each liter, uh, and they know that. So, so of course, it's never enough. Uh, but uh, really, this plus. Uh, uh, money directly given uh, to the poor um, uh, to, to the poor people, uh, 100 euro, uh, they, they know that, I think. Hmm. They are aware of it uh, and uh, they recognise it's uh, very helpful for them. And if that is so helpful, if that is so generous, why have 30% of French voters turned to the far right this time round? Yes, you're right. Uh, it's uh, very uh, worrying and it's uh, bad news that uh, Marine Le Pen plus uh, Eric Zemmour, so the, the far right the candidates, uh, have uh, more than 30 percent. And, um, you know, uh, my analysis is that uh, in France, um, there is a, 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 an anger. Uh, maybe it's due to the revolution, as you mentioned. Uh, but I think that um, since the Gilets jaunes, the Yellow Jackets uh, movement, um, people are, are still uh, uh, hungry and it's difficult when you discuss with people uh, in the street, uh, they tell you, uh, oh yes, uh, I'm against, I'm angry, uh, uh, my life is difficult, but uh, they have free education, they have a free access to health, um, unemployment is at a very uh, low rate, so they are angry and um, they are anxious, but not about their personal situation, about a global situation uh, where they see a threat. And um, I have to admit, even if it is not my values at all, uh, that there is a, a feeling um, against um, um, foreign people, against uh, immigration. Uh, and again, it's a kind of schizophrenia. Uh, French people are very open and very generous to, to welcome uh, Ukrainian uh, refugees, uh, but they fear uh, the dangers that could be provided by uh, immigration. So it's very easy for Le Pen and Zemmour to 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 use uh, this um, this feeling and um, to to make them uh, having um, having fear of mm. what uh, could be the future. But the real problems like uh, ecological transition or, or Europe or, or all these things that we have uh, to, to face, um, they are not in the programme of uh, the far right. 
But does that not concern you, though? And does blame not partly fall at the feet of, of five years of, of on Marsh and Emmanuel Macron that for whatever all the various issues that there have been, it's not just that French voters are, are turning to an alternative or a particularly dramatic alternative. They're turning to the far right and in some instances a big bunch of racists. Well, this is certainly due to um, uh, the, the the fake news and uh, the information. Um, um, a lot of people uh, still take the information uh, on uh, some um, uh, some media that are not uh, really reliable. And uh, again, um, it's a kind of a schizophrenic uh, behavior uh, because uh, uh, life is going. Uh, uh, as a usual uh, business, uh, people uh, have more jobs. Uh, the problem of all the um, companies are to find candidates. Uh, so, so, and, are you uh, say, so you're saying that that 30 percent then they are they are misguided completely. Uh, y y your point is it, it, they, they don't realize how good it is and they're getting the wrong information on the news that they are deluded. I think that um, there is a gap between the situation of uh, some people and the way they, they feel it. Uh, and we are reducing um, uh, inequalities. Uh, we, we are, I think, uh, really improving uh, the situation. Of course, uh, we had the uh, yellow jackets and there yeah. is um, uh, the, the increase in the price of uh, energy. And there are some reforms that uh, we could not do. Uh, for example, the retirement uh, reform, and uh, we have uh, to be able to, to give uh, higher wages to the people that take care of uh, all people. Uh, we have uh, uh, dedicated a problem with uh, single mothers. Okay. Uh, but it, it's true that uh, seeing how people are hungry and uh, how they, they vote for extremes, uh, I think this is not um, uh, really in coherence uh, with the real situation and the real uh, um, helping um, that the he real help that was uh, given uh, by the state this last month. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Marie Clapeau, who's an MP for uh, the En Marche Party in Drum in South East France. Um, looking back on what happened last night after round one of the presidential election and forward to uh, what might happen after round two in, uh, in a fortnight. Let's continue thinking about the uh, the French presidential election, what happened last night, what could be upon us soon, and how it might affect us here in the UK and also around the world as well. Um, Lord Ricketts, Peter Ricketts, um, is live with us. Um, formerly many things, but, but for today's purposes, formerly UK ambassador to France. And Peter, welcome. Thank you. Thanks very much for your time. And first of all, we were just hearing from an MP of, from Emmanuel Macron's own party a moment ago. Um, I don't know if you heard it. She's had a sort of interesting diagnosis as to why the far right have been doing increasingly well at the moment. She said, seeing how people are reacting, this is not coherent with the real situation. Um, it almost sounds as if people from Macron's own side are completely baffled as to the situation and think that all these people are, are deluded. Yes. Well, I mean, just to look at the result, Macron actually did very well. Um, he increased his score over his first round in five years ago. Um, and the polling surge that people thought Marine Le Pen would benefit from didn't quite arrive. But you're right. If you put the um, scores together for the two far right candidates, it's 30 percent. If you add the uh, nationalist far left candidate, Mélenchon, it's over 50 percent. Over 50% voting for anti-system, anti-establishment candidates. 
shows how disillusioned everyone is in France with, with the old political setup and how polarized things are at the moment. And that is certainly something that the Macron camp now need to understand. Mm. I think in French elections, there's always a difference between the first and the second rounds. In the first rounds, people um, vote with a heart, if you like. Um, and in the second round, they have to really look at the two candidates and think, which one do I want to be president of the country for the next five years? Mm. And so you know, there will be a difference in voting in the second round. But definitely, there's a deep disillusionment, frustration, mm. anger with the French political system coming through. And how do you rate Emmanuel Macron's personal performance so far? Um, Charles Bremner, the Times' correspondent in Paris, um, said that, it, well, first of all, he'd been somewhat absent from, from this first round um, of, of campaigning, but also that French people, a good chunk of the French population, really just dislike him as a person. Yeah, I mean, I think he really did quite well in the first round. Uh, I mean, it's a you know, very high score to get almost 28%. Um, but the French traditionally dislike their president. I mean, we've seen that Sarkozy, Hollande, uh, poll, poll ratings go down throughout a period of a presidency. Mm. And Macron has made a very, he's personalized the role of the president very, very strongly. And there are a lot of people who really don't like him. That's true. Um, the question I think now is uh, for the second round, when particularly Mélenchon voters, those 20% of the voters who now have to find another home, where do they go? Uh, Mélenchon himself called clearly not to vote for Le Pen. Uh, how many of them will go to Macron? That will be a crucial mm. thing, I think, for the second round. When they look at Macron, in the end, I think that most of them will think, actually, we don't like this guy, but if we're thinking about the presidency of France in a troubled world, you know, mm. he, he is a reliable pair of hands. And I think, therefore, he will get through, but it's going to be a lot closer than it was five years ago. Yes, and one um, projection from French television news having it at 51.49 um, in their projection right. for, for round two, um, with Macron on top. But let's just have a look at, at what a victory for each of them might mean, I guess not just for the UK, but also most pressingly for the situation around Ukraine as well. President Macron back in office, um, free from the worries of, of, um, of elections, at least for the time being, what will that mean for Ukraine? And also, what will that mean for the UK in terms of our various outstanding issues, not least to do with trade and the rest? Well, Macron back and elected will mean that he's one of the most experienced uh, politicians in Europe. Uh, Mr. Schultz in Germany is still very new. Uh, I think we know what we'll get with Macron. Uh, he will want to continue to try to keep a line open to the Russians against the day when negotiations might be possible. But he will be a staunch ally in NATO and will continue to be willing to reinforce French troops uh, in the east of NATO and to send arms and other support to Ukraine. So he's a known quantity and he will be firmly in the mainstream of the allied effort to support the Ukrainians while keeping a line out to Putin. Um, for the UK, I mean, the relationship between Boris Johnson and uh, Macron is pretty broken to be honest. Um, but I think if he's re-elected, they will want to try and reset that, get back to some kind of pragmatic working relationship between the two. Uh, and Macron will want to look ahead, I think, and try and put some of the squabbles of uh, Brexit and the recent years behind him. Uh, mm. From that point of view, I think it, you know he's a known quantity. Marine Le Pen would be a very different thing. Well, go on. What could we expect from okay. President Le Pen? I mean, some uh, some of the sort of staunch Brexiteers in the UK might think that the arrival of Le Pen would be a good thing, that she's you know, uh, anti-EU in many ways, uh, might be a better ally on curbing migration across the channel and so on. 
I think she would be actually a very dangerous ally. She might want to try and reach out to Boris Johnson, seeing him as another um, sort of strong anti-EU figure. But remember that she's very anti-NATO. She has pledged to pull France out of NATO's military structure. Um, she would have a very difficult relationship with Joe Biden. She has long-standing links to Putin. And although she's tried to play those down, uh, I don't think that she'd be in favor of more sanctions against Ukraine. So she would be a very disruptive influence, obviously in the EU and in the wider Western alliance on Ukraine. Very, very unpredictable, unknown quantity. That was Peter Ricketts, Lord Ricketts, um, ending our uh, hop, skip and jump through round one of the French presidential election. There's more coverage of that and, of course, of all the news on Times Radio if you'd like to listen live. Um, thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. I'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.